Well, hi, this is Drew Miller at St. John's Church. We have begun a new series of Sunday morning teachings in our Foundation of Faith um, Sunday School style teaching series this spring. And the spring's title is To Walk with God. Um, each Sunday, we will be offering a, uh, a time of fellowship and discussion for all ages, um, different classes for different ages around this topic of to walk with God, spiritual disciplines, um, the patterns of life that the church has taught us over the centuries as a means by which we grow um, in our walk with the Lord. Um, this past Sunday was our introductory session, and I failed to record it. And so this uh, this recording now has been done from the comfort of my office. But we wanted to s- extend it to you anyway, because we found that whether you're a member of our choir and unable to attend the Sunday morning class, or maybe traveling, um, there are, are those folks who would like to keep up with us and um, jump in on classes when they can. And I'd encourage you to do that, to come when you can, because this format for this spring is slightly different than that of the fall. We've added discussion questions before and after, and those are intended to help our community grow together and learn from each other. Specifically, when we're talking about spiritual disciplines, this is a topic that, um, you know, a, a pastor in his 30s has very little right to speak on. This is um, talking about the the kind of Christian growth that happens over decades of faithful submission to the practices of the church and the patterns of the gospel. Uh, and so to think that Corey or I or even Luke, you know, or Kay would, would have um, all the answers on this is, um, is silly. Uh, what we're hoping to do is to lay out a map of a country that we've just begun to wander in. Um, and we hope that the discussion that is provoked and um, by the questions we'll provide might help our community grow together and um, help each other grow uh, in, our, in our walk with God. So that's the structure. This Sunday, our inaugural class for the spring series um, began with this question, and I'll ask it. And I'd encourage you to talk about some, talk about it with someone, um, because it's intended to inspire, to provoke, and to prepare us for what's next. So if you hear the question and it and it catches your attention, maybe pause uh, this recording and go have a conversation with your spouse or your kids or your friends, and um, and then come back to it. This is the first question to open our time together. What do you want from God? If you could boil it all down, what are you looking for from Him? What are you seeking in Him? If you want to pause and think about that, have that conversation, go for it. I gave our crew maybe 10 minutes to talk and then uh, jumped into this following lecture. There's a passage from John that we read on Sunday several weeks back and the morning men's group on Wednesdays that I'm a part of. We talked about it a little bit. Um, So John chapter 1, starting at verse 35. The next day, again, John was standing, John the Baptist, with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as Jesus walked by. And John said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. 
What are you seeking? What do you want? This is the question that Jesus asks, and he asks it several times in the gospel. Sometimes he grants them their requests quickly, and sometimes he doesn't. Not because he doesn't see them or does not understand. Remember, he, as God, came, took on our flesh, has walked among us. He is no stranger to our desires. He knows our weakness and our hunger and our need from the inside, as it were. He can sympathize with us in our weakness. So Jesus doesn't hold back what we want because he doesn't understand. He does understand, but he knows something that we do not know, and that is he knows is what Augustine would describe it. He knows that our affections, our loves, our desires are disordered. Our hearts are misguided. They're twisted. They point in on themselves. There are good things that we desire for the wrong reasons. You know, there are bad things that we desire for the right reasons. And we can't tell the difference. You know, we find our desires conflicting. You know, sometimes we want two things at the same time that are diametrically opposed to one another. Or sometimes we want something desperately. We devote our life to attaining it. And once we've attained it, we discover that we wanted something else, actually. That it wasn't all that we thought it would be. Our desires don't prove to be trustworthy guides. <clears throat> So Jesus, when he asks what we are seeking, when he asks what we want from him, what we think we need from him, he both understands our hearts and knows what we actually need. He sees past our fickle desires, past our misplaced hopes, to what is truly needed, to what would truly satisfy. He's like the doctor who sees past the Google diagnosis that you brought into the office to offer real life, to offer real healing. So this moment from the first chapter of John is instructive. Two disciples standing with John the Baptist, when they hear what he says about Jesus, that he's the Lamb of God, they follow Jesus a while until Jesus himself turns to them and asks, what are you seeking? Why are you following me? You know, what do you want? So they tell him, we want to know where you're staying. We want some information, Jesus. We want to come back and hear you, maybe later, maybe sometime when we're ready, maybe after work today, maybe after John the Baptist has let us off early. We want to come back and hear more about this Lamb of God thing. We want to know where you're staying. But what does Jesus say? Does he answer the question? Sort of. You know, but not, not really. What's he say? He says, come and you will see. Come and you will see. I mean, they're going to get the answer to their question eventually, right? They'll know eventually where he's staying. They'll get there and they'll stay with him that day. But it seems almost like what they want, you know, simply to know where Jesus is staying, is too small a thing compared to what they might have right in front of them. It's an, To know where Jesus is staying is utterly inconsequential if what is available to them is to walk with Jesus himself. To know him. You know, they have a sense of what they long for, of their desires, of what they want Jesus to provide for them, but he extends to them something much more profound, much greater. As C.S. Lewis would describe it, it seems like they're busy making mud pies in the street when they've been invited to a holiday at the beach. There's more available to them. And so Jesus asks what they want, but when they tell him, he invites them 
to what they need. He invites them into a deeper relationship with himself. He invites them to walk with God, and not a walk which ignores their wants or their needs as they feel them, but a walk with God that is deeper life, deeper nourishment, truer life than they themselves would have known to seek. Truer life than the rest of their desires would offer them. He invites them to walk with God. And this is exactly what humanity actually needs. Humanity needs to live not just with an intellectual assent to God's existence. You know, yes, I believe in him and then I go about my day. But humanity needs more than that. They need to walk with God. Humanity needs to live in the delight of God's person and in his work. Humanity needs to live in submission to his kingship. Humanity needs to live in recognition that every square inch, every fleeting moment is his. That he is present to every square inch, to every second. This is what humanity needs because humanity is made for this kind of life. A life of walking with God. So we come to Jesus looking for something, but he invites us to walk with him whether or not he answers our request. He invites us to walk. So how do we do that? How do we walk with God? That's the question we're answering this spring in our series. And we believe, the church teaches, that to walk with God is to step into patterns of life that God's people have followed since the very beginning. What the church has come to call spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, these are patterns of life, rituals, exercises, by which we meet with God, in which we are transformed by him, such that all of life might be lived more fully with him. Let me say that again. Spiritual disciplines are patterns of life, rituals, exercises, in which we meet with God, and in which we are transformed by him, such that all the rest of life might be lived more fully with him. To think about marriage. You know, Jesse, my wife, and I have only been married for about six months or so. Not much we can teach you about that. But we're already developing rituals, right? Patterns of life together. We try to go get breakfast sandwiches on Saturdays from Sonic because she loves them, you know. One night a week we go to our favorite Mexican restaurant. Actually, most of our rituals are uh, around greasy food for whatever that tells you. These moments, these rituals, these patterns in our marriage, they intentionally deepen our relationship so that we're more bound together the rest of the time. It's not like we're only married when we're picking up baking biscuits at Sonic or eating quesadillas at Salsa y Limon. We're married regardless, right? We're married the rest of the time. But these patterns of intimacy, of life together, they deepen the rest of life together. In a sense, these patterns, these rituals, deliberately practice what is already true. We're already married. But we practice that intimacy so that that marriage becomes more rich, more realized as we go about the rest of our lives. This is how spiritual disciplines work. Spiritual disciplines are patterns of life in which we meet with God, in which we are transformed by God, such that all of life might be lived more fully with him. Moments of deliberate intimacy with God that enrich the greater part of our lives enrich the whole. This is what spiritual disciplines are all about. This is what it's like to walk with God. 
spiritual disciplines, things like prayer, Bible study, worship, rest, hospitality, service, what some have called the means of grace, the ways in which we soak in the merciful grace of God until that grace marinade has soaked into our very bones. Now, unpacking the term disciplines might be helpful here, spiritual disciplines. You know, we hear the word discipline and we tend to think of either punishment or of military order, discipline. You know, we think of either the, the paddle or the sergeant, you know. Those tend to be what comes to mind. But the word discipline actually comes from the Latin word for disciple, a student, follower. When Jesus invites the disciples, the students of John, to follow him, to become his disciples, this is what he's inviting them into, into a new pattern of life where they walk so closely with him, with Jesus, that they become like him, that it changes everything about how they live. In fact, there's an old Jewish blessing for disciples of a rabbi that went something like this. May the dust of the rabbi be on your sandals. Isn't that lovely? May you walk so closely behind your teacher down those hot Middle Eastern roads that you find the dust from his feet collecting on your sandals, falling on your feet. You become like him as you walk in his paths. What Jesus invites his people to is not simply to the answers of their questions or the fulfillment of their desires. Those may well come. Those may well come. But before and through and above all of that, Jesus invites his people to walk with him, to know him, and to be transformed by him, and for that transformation to reach into the rest of their lives. That's what spiritual disciplines are all about. That's what we will be spending our spring series looking at. And I hope you will join us in person or here on the podcast um, as we do. Two two cautions or perhaps disclaimers as we begin to talk about spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are to be done individually and in community. Bonhoeffer says, the, the Lutheran theologian from the last century, let the man who is afraid of community beware being alone and let the man who is afraid of being alone beware of being in community see what he's saying he's saying you need both if you're afraid of being alone you should be cautious about your attempts to always be with people because it's hiding something there's something you need to deal with and the man who's afraid to be with others so only wants to be alone you should be attentive be careful you're hiding from something there's something you need to deal with. Humanity is meant to live in community. And so spiritual disciplines are practiced individually and in the fellowship. Because in that space of community, we grow up together. And we help each other grow. You know, I grew up on a tree farm on John's Island outside of Charleston. And we grew loblolly pine trees. Or my grandfather did. I didn't have much to do with it at the time. Um, it's always striking when you walk into a forest that's been freshly planted or maybe five, ten years old of loblolly pine because the trees are in straight rows, which is weird for a forest to start with, but they're also really close together. And you would think if you wanted to grow timber, you'd need the trees to be further spread out. Give them more space. Let them have more light. But if you do that, if you plant pine trees too far apart from each other, what they grow out. They get branchy and they develop really thick branches which put really good knots in your timber. They don't grow up, they grow out. So they don't get good straight, 
pieces that can be, can be cut for wood, you end up with knotty, branchy uh, trees that aren't good for much. So you plant them tight so that instead of growing out, they kind of compete with each other and grow up. They force each other towards the sun, towards the light. And so you end up with good, straight timber to be cut. That's the same kind of thing that's happening here in spiritual disciplines. As we walk with the Lord, we're meant to grow in community. We support each other. We challenge each other upward. Each individual with their own relationship with Jesus, of course, but that relationship is formed and fleshed out in community. Think about Jesus calling his disciples. Each disciple has an individual call, an individual relationship with Jesus, but each disciple is called into a community of discipleship, a cohort of discipleship in which they grow together. The same applies for us. As we learn to walk with Jesus, it is best done in community. And I hope that our table conversations on Sunday morning will help with that. That's part of the goal. One more reason to be there in person if you can. Second, though, uh, second kind of disclaimer, caution, these spiritual disciplines are not best considered as means to an end. When we pray or read or worship in order to get something out of it or to get something later, we often find ourselves in trouble. We find ourselves discouraged when we don't get what we want or when it doesn't satisfy that need or when we don't feel like we're getting closer to God. But spiritual disciplines are not just means to an end. In fact, when you participate in a spiritual discipline, you are participating in the goal already. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. There's a big difference between going hiking and taking the bus. If you ride the bus, you're doing it to get somewhere else. The bus doesn't matter. You don't want to be there. It's cramped. It's uncomfortable. The goal is to get out of it, right? It is a means to an end and no more. It's just a bus. You get on the bus, you get off the bus as soon as you can. Going hiking is different. You go hiking, you go to enjoy the earth itself. You're enjoying creation the moment you step onto the trail. And you might have a goal, you know, of seeing a particular view, exploring a new valley. I guess you could just Google pictures of that mountain and have the same experience, couldn't you? Read a book about that valley, read the blogs about others who have hiked it. That'd be about the same, right? Of course not. And of course not. Because when you go hiking, the goal is not just to get somewhere, but it's to be somewhere while you go. You're enjoying the purpose of the hike long before you get to the end of the trail. Spiritual disciplines are the same way. Even before you fold your hands to pray, you are already in the presence of God because he has come for us. You are already at the goal. The end is here as you begin. The end is present in the beginning. Isn't that lovely? So why pray? We pray to enjoy his presence and to deepen our relationship with him. Will you be changed? Certainly. Certainly, of course, you will with time. Will you move towards greater love of God? Of course, you will with time. But it begins now. It's already begun. Because God has already begun that work in you. That's why you're listening to this podcast. That's why you were present with us on Sunday morning. Whether you know it or not, I suspect God is already at work, meeting with you, drawing you to himself. That's why you're here. So when we begin our disciplines, we don't begin them as means to an end, as ways to get somewhere else, though we do hope to grow and expect that we will. We do them to meet with the God who's already come to meet with us. 
the end present in the beginning. All right, so we've got one discussion question to close our time. Maybe you can talk about it with that same friend or spouse or child. This is the question. What does the term spiritual disciplines make you think of? How is that term unhelpful in describing our goal of walking with God? And how might it be helpful? So what is the term spiritual disciplines? What does it make you think of? How might that be a helpful or unhelpful term to describe what we are trying to do this spring in learning to walk with God? All right, that's it. Have a blessed day and see you Sunday.